Hello and welcome to the Wingnet Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond. Personally, I have been to 50 countries. I've met so many people in my travels that I want to bring them on this podcast and get their story on record. I have plenty of tips and stories to share with you as well. Are you a backpacker or a traveller or gap year student or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. Throughout the weeks and months, you'll get many guests and solo episodes where I try to cover all range of subjects within travel. This is a casual and informative travel podcast to inspire you to travel in the future. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting this. And I'll see you soon. Cheers, James. Hey, yeah, just a quick one. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with Tee Public, where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as T-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast, and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for traveling, podcasts, and other stuff. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to the Friday series, episode three. And this week we had Frank come onto the podcast to talk about his hitchhiking adventures in Pakistan and Afghanistan. And what I learned this week is he really gave me an impression that you just need to get over maybe that fear when travelling or maybe doing the extreme stuff. So something like you said to someone, what about hitchhiking in Pakistan? They're probably going to think, you, oh, was that safe? But actually, you can never judge if it's safe unless you hear it from someone else who's actually done it or you get there on the ground and do it. So what I learned from Frank is that I think, well, do you know what? Sometimes we do take the easier option of travel, whether it's a bus or whether it's a Western country or an English-speaking country. We don't go out there to the other countries that are maybe a bit more outside the comfort zone. It really brings out the experiences, the stories, and also amazing things to tell other people about your experience and hopefully inspire them to go there as well. So hearing Frank's experiences in Pakistan and Afghanistan made me think, wow, I just want to go to those countries as well. Afghanistan, though, is is a different animal. As much as it was possible for Frank, there were logistics nightmares with obviously the Taliban now in charge, so they're not very communicative or decentralised. So, yes, he's cleared in Kabul and they might know who he is, but if he's going to Kandahar, they're not necessarily going to know who he is. A lot of checkpoints, a lot of checks, and a lot of spending time in Taliban barracks, really, kind of sitting around waiting for the go-ahead to go away and carrying on with his travels. So he did say, wait, uh, if you think about Afghanistan, but it is possible. So most countries are possible. And I think, yeah, why not? If you fancy it, go and do it. There's obviously boundaries with female travel there. Obviously, it's not be possible, I don't think. And maybe as a couple, it might be possible. So these are areas to explore that we don't know the answers to yet. But... If you're kind of Western solo traveller or even a you know, couple of guys travelling in Afghanistan, I think it's possible. Um, I'm not putting Afghanistan anywhere near my top list. It's, it's definitely on a list, but nowhere near the top. So I think, But I think Pakistan definitely is. It sounded incredible. He spent six months there. It's a huge country. It's a bit like India. You, it's a trip in itself. And obviously he asked me, you know, where do I see myself going? And we actually talked about Taiwan in the same call as Pakistan, but I split it up into two. So on Monday, you'll get his exploits in China, Taiwan, Sudan, Egypt, and also a bit of the stands. So a, a real great episode to come on Monday. Much more of similar stuff, hiking around these countries, 
kind of clearing up the stigma about what it's actually like to try in these countries. It's safe. It is safe. He had a great experience. He's never got into trouble. He's never got, never not got a lift from hitchhiking. So I think Monday's episode will be more of the same, but different areas of the world. And it's just so inspiring to hear someone also quite young. I mean, Frank's probably what, early 20s, 22, 23. And he's currently in Africa at the minute. So yeah, he is really going for it. I think he said he's probably going to do about a year maybe before he goes back, depending on what he thinks and how he feels. Um, so hopefully he gets to Angola sometime now or, the, or next week and I'll be keen to see where he is, what he's up to and how it's going. So Frank's a great guest, learned an incredible amount. This also proves that age is not really a thing, what his early 20s. I equally had an inspirational chat this week with Vina Murley, who travelled solo at the age of 22. Uh, this year, six months, that would be coming out in August time. So these youngsters are getting out there, they're seeing the world, and it's great to hear and great to see. And I can only implore you to take a leaf out of their book and maybe try and get something in the planning, save some money and go on a trip like that. Also, what's key for these trips is you just got to remember the local people on the ground. They don't represent the government. So even though you may have provisions about the government in charge, which is absolutely justifiable, don't forget that the people on the street are happy to see you, have dinner with you, have a drink with you, and tell their story to you. They want to see people come and check out their culture. It's a privilege, right? Just bear that in mind when maybe if you're thinking yes or nay, it could make a story for them for life. As we said on Frank's when he went to the real northern part of Pakistan and that guy gave him a lift in the car, and it couldn't have been anyone else, really. And he was freezing from hypothermia for two nights. But he spent some time with someone for two days, got to know his story. And, you know, it could be reciprocated if they went back to Canada, for example, where he lives. So that's always a deal, I think, when you meet people on the road. So real inspirational. I'm so happy to hear Frank again this week because we recorded in two sessions. It's taken two months from the first to the second session to get it on record. And we've got enough content now for another episode of Monday. And we've agreed to do a third part when he's finished his Africa portion, which could be a couple of months' time. So uh, keep an eye out for that. I'll keep you posted on that too. Which kind of nicely takes me into kind of where do I see my podcast going? I've been doing a year and a half now. And I thought, let's just probably do an update, right? Imagine I'm Frank for a minute in Pakistan and Afghanistan and I had a microphone and a podcast with me. How cool would it be for you to hear from a local from their story and the best things to see in their little area of the world that they live in? How awesome is that? They are the experts in that area. And imagine the amount of content you can get from doing a, a trip like that. So not only can you speak to locals, you can speak to tour guides, maybe the people who are doing the free walking tours in the towns and the cities, even tour companies, fellow travellers, fellow backpackers, fellow hitchhikers, lorry drivers. There's an endless amount of content if you're brave enough to go and ask, hey, fancy having a chat, fancy putting on record. I just think that's where the podcast needs to go next. It has its value now with interviewing amazing people who have done so many different types of travels we've got loads of guests coming up in august and september and it's got to the point now where people are asking me to come on like can i tell my story absolutely come on and tell your story there's always value in everyone's story there's never a bad story or like not even not not interesting it's definitely interesting to me and i think you find it interesting and inspirational to hear what these guys are up to in different parts of the world that you may not even hear about before so I think, imagine how good it'd be if I was to maybe to go travelling with a microphone, possibly a camera, to take photos, maybe video of the podcast. We'll see how that goes. Also, it doesn't have to be a, uh, an interview all the time. It could be like a, almost a daily, twice weekly, whatever 
podcast series of that country, this is what I'm up to, this is who I've met, and this is what we're doing. So I think this is where it's going. No time scale on that, but I want to do it sooner rather than later. So um, I'm kind of putting some plans together. I'm really excited for the future of the podcast. And I think the amount of content that's going to come out is going to be incredible. Adding to that, Patreon is obviously going to kick off as well. So much extra content is going to go on there. I put as much as I can for free, but I do need to claw back some financial income if and when I go traveling and I'm not working anymore. We'll see if that happens or not. I've got so many countries in my mind, different achievements I want to achieve. I want to go and learn Spanish. I want to go and learn some tango, some salsa. I want to probably go to a fitness camp for two weeks in Indonesia. I want to do all these different types of experiences. I want to go to barista school and get my coffee certificate. I want to go and even set up a podcast about coffee. That's in the pipeline at the minute. It could be coming soon, so keep an eye out for that. And there's so many ideas that I want to do, but little time. So I feel like to give us a real good go, hopefully next year we get some um, different type of content out there. Immediate feature I mentioned last week about Mexico. So when this Mexico trip happens this year, I will be podcasting on the road, what I'm up to, and be getting some content, live content like Spain this year. Some stuff about me this week. Um, I'm going to give a bit of information about my work visas, actually, and how I got the work visa in each country, and also how I got a job and got saving money for my next travel trip. So Australia, if you're thinking about it, I think they're starting to open up now. The work visa, if you're before the age of 31, Canadians 35, I believe, and certain countries are supplies to. You can go and apply for an Australian work permit and certain subclasses as well, and you can even extend it for an extra year. And it usually takes maybe half a day at maximum. And once you get the the visa, you, you, I think you get 11 months to get in the country, right? Now, when you get into Australia, the best way to, this might sound cliche, but the best way to get jobs is to speak to people on your, on your travel. So what I would suggest you do is do the East Coast. It's a great trip. Everyone does it. If you can do like a month to three months in that period, meet as many people as you can, do as many tours as you can, see all the different types of sites that you can, Fraser Island, uh, Whit Sundays, Uncle Brian's Top North, all this stuff. You meet so many people and just chat to people what they're up to. Are they staying on the work permit? And I guarantee if you speak to so many people as possible, especially backpackers, they might even be travelling in between jobs or even after a job. They might give you a contact. That's how I got my job in Australia. Met someone called Grace on the East Coast on Magnetic Island. She's actually from Norfolk, when I'm from the UK, but she's from Kings Lynn. She said, I just left a temp admin job. I was like, oh, great, I'm looking for a temp admin job. She said, oh, here's a number. Gave me a number. Rang it up the next day. Got a phone interview. Got a job within three days. I think I was in Melbourne working, so... These things can happen quickly. It requires a bit of luck. If you do go to any big city on the East Coast or even Perth, just get all the agencies signed up. Depends what type of job you're doing. There's different agencies for different types of jobs. Get your resume sorted. Even line your resume, right? Top tip. Have you done... Oh, you've done two years at Aviva? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, not even true, is it? It gets you a job. Get it done. And then as soon as you get working, you can save, right? Australia's the best country for money. New Zealand, we worked in Wellington, same again. we done six weeks in the camper van around New Zealand. Probably had another four weeks in Wellington before we got a job. Uh, so that's about, about 10 weeks before we started working. Saw a lot of the country, amazing trip. And someone like Wellington, you can do a lot of government jobs. They're, they're taking on temps all the time. And these government jobs are paid 25 to $35 an hour. It's a real great way to crack on with earning a bit of money. And just getting back on your feet. A funny story from my days in Wellington. I might have said this on another podcast episode before. I can't quite remember. I was in the early shift one morning. This is the, one of the worst jobs I've ever had. I was in the 7.30am shift. Had my breakfast, which was cereal and milk. And at the end of the day, couldn't be bothered to wash it up. Pretty grim, I know. Chucked it in the sink. Next morning, 
come in early shift again with the first people in the office, open the email up. There is a picture of the said cereal in the bowl with like some milky water in the sink. And the manager's gone, who the hell is the cereal monster? Please clean up yourself after you. We don't want anyone else doing it for you. And there's just like this exclamation marks on the email, photo evidence. And I got in. I was like, holy fuck, that's me. Heavenly, who was working with next to me, did not even say a word. Looked to her right, nodded and went, hmm. Hummed at me and I went, what? She went, I know it's you. Instantly, we just started cracking up laughing. So funny. Yes, I'm the cereal monster. I couldn't be bothered to wash it up because I had a shitty day answering calls to teachers who want help to use applications on the computer system. I have no idea what they're even about. Never used them. So how on earth can I give advice as an expert in commas on an application I have no idea about? Oh yeah, brilliant. What awesome that training that is. So quit that job in as quick as I could. Uh, but I met some great people doing that job. Yeah, interesting temp jobs. Don't be uh, afraid to get stuck in. Don't be afraid to leave them as well. There's so many jobs in these countries that it's not worth being shitty and miserable about. So try and get off this job as much as you can. Get saving up. In Australia and New Zealand, maybe some top tips for Australia. Get a car. Go and need it. Try and get a caravan if you can and go and, go and see the country by road. Amazing roads. No one on the roads. And it's real easy to drive there. And go and see the amazing sights. Down the east coast, around the south coast, up the southwest, west coast, up to the north, around the country. You can even do a trip in the cheeky middle bit as well to Alice Springs. Same as New Zealand. Camper van. It's a bit like Canada really, but way smaller. No people on the road. And so many sites to go and see and do. So yeah, I recommend Australia and New Zealand. Camper vans, cars, temp jobs. And you're good and you're well away. Do a year. Assess the situation. Australia, you can extend for another year if you need to stay there longer. New Zealand. You can technically do 23 months, but only 12 months of work. That's the visa. Weird. You can just stay and get a cash in hand job. That'll be fine. Don't declare it. You'll be all good to go. I'm not sure if they check the, the rules, if you like. So if I worked for 12 months and I've got 11 months left on my visa, can I do another 11 months of work? Will they check? I don't know the answer to that. I've had people get away with it before. So maybe you probably get away with it. Don't tell your employer because they will obviously get fined and they get found out but if they don't know they don't know what doesn't know doesn't kill them right so go and do that that's great as well so I think I've rambled on a bit long enough for here thanks for tuning in this week we've got another episode of Frank it's going to be a great episode you're going to learn a lot and cheers for checking in